2017 meeting of the Knoxville Game Design. Uh, we're a group of game designers in Knoxville uh, with varying levels of skill. Most of them, most of us are just hobbyists uh, working on games in our spare time. I think we all have day jobs or trying to break it into the industry. So that's who we are. Uh, Going to spend a little bit of time today talking about the games that we've developed, things we've been working on, and events, things going on in the game industry. So we currently have four people online, including myself. So I'm going to start left to right. We have Dylan Wolf. Hello. We have Joe Miller. Howdy. Ruth Ann Manning. Hello. And myself, I'm Levi Smith. So uh, I guess we're going to start off with a little bit of show and tell. I'll just go through the group. Dylan, did you have anything you wanted to show off this time? Sorry, okay. I'm on mute. Oh, yeah, you're on mute. I, I, know, I, looked at, I looked at your Twitter, and I saw you'd been working on your Endless Runner game. I think you got multiplayer working on that. Is that right? Yeah, I can bring that up if... If you want, yeah, that'd be um, cool. Entire screen. All right. Do you guys see it? Yep, we see it. Okay, it'll take a second to start. So basically, um, at first, I just had this endless runner working, where you know you've got one guy, and and um, I've got some articles on my blog about how I'm actually generating the level. But I decided to go back and actually add in multiplayer support to it, which I kind of had some, some, um, and I've bounded all the keys on my keyboard. I had some, some logic in there about like, you know, having an array of players instead of a single player. Um, but just getting like some of the, the, uh, you know, game over to work and then, um, all the uh, images to display right and UI elements to, to be hidden on certain screens and, um, you know, the ability to, uh, so, um, yeah, that looks cool. So it's local multiplayer, right? So you can either like huddle yes. around the keyboard or I guess it supports multiple joysticks or input methods. Yeah. Um, well, actually, right now, I've just got um, kind of, a, you know, items in there to stub out all the different controls on the keyboard. The idea would be, you know, hooking up some uh, USB <laughs> game pads or something. I, I initially started working on this when we talk, talked about, um, like, creating some games that we could do for demos. Mm -hmm. And I felt like this would be a good one. You know, you can sit down, play for 30 seconds, you know have people jump in and out. Um, so just yep. like a good yep. demo game. I remember you were showing this off at one of the get togethers, uh, the Emory place block party or one of those. And it seems like it was popular. Yeah. Like you're saying people can just pick up the controller and start playing. 
no like real need for instructions or anything like that. But I see since this is Unity, I guess whenever you start the game up, Unity has that little window where you can configure your input options. So you can pick whatever yeah. input method you want from the Unity loader screen. Yeah, well, in, in this case, this would be a demo. So I'd kind of hard code everything. Um, you know, like, you know, I've, I've got a couple of the little SNES style USB game pads and just like hard code it for those so that you know, I, I can set this up pretty easily. Um, to be honest, I went back and messed with this because I was stalling out on some of the other stuff I'd worked on. Like I was just hitting a point where the stuff I, I needed to do on it was, on some of my other projects was complicated. So I'm like, I'll just go back and do this. Yeah. Yeah. It looks pretty good. Um, so to do the four different views, are you using four different scenes or are you, are you using like four different cameras on the same scene? Uh, I'm using four different cameras on the same scene. Uh, what I actually had to do was I created a blank, camera with a just like back black background uh that's at the lowest depth it's at depth negative two and that prevents that that allows me to turn these four player cameras here on and off oh, okay. and you know without because if if you don't do that what you'll get is like the um like screen blurring or I can't remember the term for it. Um, and then, you know, I've got each of these cameras tied to the character controllers. And so I, I flip them on and off, you know, depending on the game state and then the canvas, like the, uh, the text is just a single uh, overlay. And I've got some code in here that actually like sets up the viewpoint port rectangles um, so that's kind of all automated. Yeah, played around with that just a little bit, the multiple uh, viewports. I did my little train simulator game where you had an overhead view and one camera, and then you had like another camera like right on the front of the train. So, you get those two different views. so it sounds like you're doing the same thing right there. Yeah. All right. So that was what I had. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. Hey, Joe, did you have anything you wanted to show off this time? I can't, I can't participate. I can't participate in this because if I mute it, I can't hear them. If I unmute it, they can hear you. So I think I'll just wave you. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're just hearing a lot of background. Come back to me because I have no clue what they're saying. Okay, Joe. Uh, okay. What have you been working on lately? Uh, I've been working on Sub Hunter. Yeah, I saw is, some uh, of your tweets on that. That's uh, I released it last year as one of my uh, one game a month games, like March. Yeah. Uh, but I've been going back and adding up a lot. So the the old node used to look like this. Mm -hmm. um, that like the buttons are very static. You just click things and um, let's see the missions played like this. So the objective. So are you pl you're playing the ship on the top right and you're shooting the missiles downward? 
Right. Yeah, so you're trying to judge the distance and speed to hit oh. them as they come by, and you only have a, a certain amount of ammo that you can have out in the air at the same time, and then still <laughs> dodge theirs. So your ammo recharges uh, over time. Yeah. And what I've been doing is kind of making it a little bit brighter. For one thing, mm-hmm. uh, and then kind of touched up a lot of my buttons so that they have this uh, like the tactile feel that they've been clicked. Yeah, they have a little. I know you were showing a demo of uh, two months ago of uh, that plugin that you were using, the twinning plugin. Yeah, so, so are you using I've that same up. thing here? Yeah, I'm just doing like a scale tween that makes it a little bit bigger uh, width-wise and skinnier height-wise. It's, uh, let's see, one of these you can click. So it's yeah, just like a, a jiggle. Slick. So do you have different uh, battleships that you can choose from, or are you just customizing the one ship? Uh, so the first mode had different ships, but they were really all the same. It was just they had different... Now is that you can actually, uh, Joe, you're cutting out. So I was saying it's it's just one ship now, and you change the equipment that is on it, mm-hmm. and then you can upgrade it to uh, be better or have a shorter cooldown, uh, and then it kind of gives them a similar stage, but everything is just a little bit cleaned up a bit more, and yeah, then I've like- added. Instead of just the fire and dodge, now there's there's more things like a like this is an EMP that'll freeze subs for a few seconds. Oh, very cool! Now like the little a, red bars on the submarines are those health meters? Yes. Oh, okay. I think that's a really uh, interesting way of doing the health meters, like actually having it right there on the ship. Yeah, What's right now. Little- Skull and crossbones, is that a bomb or something? Yeah, and it's if it's going to miss, you can click on it to detonate it. Oh. Or it's, uh, and it has a bigger area of effect than some of the other stuff. Very cool. So uh, I'm assuming you get money from destroying the submarines. And- yeah, so at the end of the stage, there's, there's money earned and... Uh, Stats and stuff. I'm still kind of tweaking all that, but then you can use that'll that be to buy upgrades, right? For each equipment, you can make it more effective or have a shorter cooldown, or you can upgrade the ship itself with more hit points and speed and ammo. Uh, yeah, and it's just uh, coming together. I'm hoping to have it out in the next couple of weeks. I don't so have are you planning much. on? putting this on the apple ios and android and all the yeah so, so sub hunter's already out now the uh the legacy mode 1.0 mm-hmm. uh so it's just going to be an update to that for free that's going to add all this stuff and the 16 new stages and everything and so just more that that sub hunter right now is sitting around 3000 downloads Oh, on the Apple store, on everything? But, yeah, between Apple and Android. Awesome. So it's just, uh, hope it's one of my top ones. So I kind of am hoping that people will play the update or come back to it. 
Yeah, that's what I've found that works. Like, put out a lot of games and just figure out which ones, like, get a following or gather interest. <laughs> yeah, I haven't done any kind of advertising for it yet, so it's it's actually doing my best that it has 3,000 downloads without any um, real try in the marketing. Yeah. It'd be cool if, like, some people could go out and do some reviews, and that's what I've done on previous games, just send out review codes and get people's opinions and things like that. But I know on a couple of your other games that you had like professional quality videos done like by real actors. That's your Dodge Line game, I think. Yes. So yeah, Dodge Line we we spent a little bit of money and got some people to put together a couple of videos. Um and it was moderately successful. Six thousand downloads for Dodge Line. Yeah, that's not bad. Which is good. It it hasn't really made its own money back yet, though, so it's still kind of testing how effective spending money is. Because, uh, like with Dodgeline, it, it ended up getting up to like uh, 107 in the Apple, in the mm-hmm. top games, That's just fun. for like an, an hour. It was only up there. Uh, but we were trying to hope that if we see how much money like it would take to get into the top 100, uh, and kind of hope that, that it could catch on from there. More people would see it if it is in the top 100. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've never those... really spent a lot of money on advertising myself. I mean, I've printed out flyers and things like that, but I know like on the Windows store, it's like, oh, yeah, if you spend $1,000, and it may get pushed up to the hot and new or promoted. Yeah. I haven't gone to that kind of dollar amount yet. I'm I'm still floating around spending like seventy five to three hundred yeah. on a game. Yeah, it seems like I saw an article on Gamma Searcher about the average amount that people spend and like for a big indie studio it's like two thousand, two thousand dollars. It's like, yeah. <laughs> If I could ever have a yeah. game that wouldn't make that much. <laughs> That's a, I, I haven't had a game yet that I think is worth spending two thousand. I would if I if I really thought I was going to make it back, but uh, most of these so far are you know mini games. They're fun, but they're they're not going to be the next uh, next Minecraft or anything like that. I'm not going to be rich and famous from these. Yeah, but uh, here's the. This little this is a side project I've been working on too. That's uh, an SRPG engine, like the a grid based thing where you're going to be able to click people and they'll have a movement in squares. Oh, and like menus. Uh, it's kind of kind of going off of uh, Shining Force from Sega Genesis. Is what I had in mind. I was thinking With... Final Fantasy Tactics, uh, but there's been a lot of games in this style, I believe. Yeah, and that's what um, one of the things that I'm doing with it is that you would move your hero unit next to like one of the enemy units, and then it would pop up with this like uh, cutscene type thing, and like have a a bigger artwork for the hero here, Mm -hmm. and do an attack animation on whatever the enemy is here. Oh, okay. Like uh, Fire Emblem, if you've played that one. I haven't played like Fire that. Emblem. Uh, but I'm just kind of putting together... I've been working on design doc for this game for a little bit, so 
it's actually a bigger project of mine that may get pushed up into my full development progress after I finish Sub Hunter. So it's got of, a story and so all of the battles yeah. are done within this uh, secondary screen. Now is it going to be turn based with menus or? Yeah, it'd be turn-based. Um, what it would be is you'd have five or six hero characters, and there, you know there'd be like 10, 12 enemies of sorts, and it would just be a, a turn order probably across the top here for whose turn is next. So each mm-hmm. person, as their speed determined, would have their turn. You'd be able to move them somewhere and like do whatever attacks they're able to, like a have like a bow person or a magic person or whatever that would have skills and they would uh, level up. I'm actually writing a, a story for this one. It's going to have dialogue and cut scenes. Oh. Uh, it's a much more ambitious project than most of my, my mobile games. Uh, but it's, it's coming. The back end of it is kind of coming together. That's why I, I keep, tweaking stuff on the side as something to distract me from whatever burnt out on. Yeah. It's good to have a few different things to switch between. If you get burnt out on one project and work on something else. And I found that really works out for me. Well, come back to a old project later then you can really see what really needs to be worked on and everything. Fresh new ideas. <laughs> But I'm also hoping I get something cool going out of uh, these these game jams this month. So, yeah, we got a couple of them coming up, and I was going to talk about that here in a little bit. But uh, yeah, that's that's all I got for showing off. That looks awesome, Joe. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I'll go back and say Dylan Dylan's website is DylanWolf.com. We're going to take a look at that in a little bit. Joe, your DoubleSquareLLC.com. Yep. And I got a message from Ruthann, so she said that she was having technical difficulties, so she's dropping off. So uh, we really appreciate Ruthann stopping in. Uh, She's been coming to our meetings, I think, since 2014. Um, That was the time in 2014 we had some coverage by a local entertainment paper called Metropulse here in Knoxville. And they came out and interviewed some of us and wrote up an article. So Ruth Ann found out about our group uh, through that Metro Pulse article. And she's been a pretty regular member of our group ever since then. She does a lot of programming and processing using Java. So she's actually participated in Ludum Dare, uh, I don't know, four or five times, I believe. So. Um, so yeah, I was going to show off what I've been working on. So I'm going to click on me and I think Marty sees share screen. So the mini LD for this month, mini Ludum Dare, which is the monthly Ludum Dare's that, uh, have a little bit more relaxed rules. So this one, they gave us like up until the next main Ludum Dare in April to finish it. So I've had quite a bit of time to work on this. But the theme is music. So it's like incorporate music into your game. Uh, I know a lot of people don't focus on music in their game. So 
reflected by the current uh, volume of the music. So yes, your standard Pac-Man, you got your ghost, you got your power pellets, you got your little buttons here, uh, which are musical uh, notes. Actually, that's a trouble class, so it's all things from music. These are actually rest symbols, which may be kind of hard to tell, but yeah, I built all this in Blender. Exit out of that. See if I can pull up Unity here. I do like the little music note explosion. That looks cool. Yeah, I use the uh, standard Unity Shuriken uh, particle effect. And okay. uh, I did a uh, overtime, a color overtime. So it starts out, which I'll show here in a second. Make sure I'm still sharing here. Yes. Note chomper. Yeah, so you can actually set <clears throat> the colors that it transitions between in your particle system along with other uh, different properties of your particle system such as size <clears throat> and on the little treble clef it has a different rotation so let me go to my prefabs bone uh no pellet and should be a pellet explosion yeah pellet explosion expand that out particle system so here it is right here i can pull it into my game world and click on the prefab and you can see the notes right there popping out you can press simulate on the particle effect and basically i just say on emissions i want five notes to pop out over one second and also i have the renderer which i have a texture which is just basically a note uh, which i created in uh, touched up in gimp made sure it had a transparent background and set the texture type to Sprite 2D. And then basically just go into materials and create, create a new material uh, using that texture. And then after you have that, then you can just set it in the render, render right here. But yeah, I was gonna show the color over lifetime. So it starts out as red, then it transitions to yellow, then to green. So it gives that nice little effect right there so yeah uh hopefully i'll have this one wrapped up soon let me go back to game maximize mute audio play uh, i need to work on the enemy ai because right now the enemies just pick a random path uh they really don't chase after you or anything um I need to work on the warping so you can like walk out one side and come over on the other side. And uh, yeah, that's basically it. Uh, I do have it where the level, uh, I'll show you this, the level is actually defined in a text file. So you can just like fire, fire up a text editor and the walls are pound signs, the little pellets are uh, O's. Uh, the bonus is a B, the starting position is S. So you can create your own levels. Uh, right now, you actually have to drag that into the resources folder, then assign that to this level data array. So uh, I actually have a second level, which I just used for testing. Let me drag in level zero, zero. And 
this was just kind of like a little bonus room with a lot of pellets and a lot of enemies. And uh, one other thing I need to add is a death animation, which I plan on doing in Blender. Because right now, whenever you get hit, you just disappear. As well as the enemies, uh, I'd like to have it where like the eyes pop out like the ghost in Pac-Man and like find their way back to like the little holding cell there. Um, so basically, that's just a little tile system. All those, all the walls are just blocks next to each other. Yes. Uh, so I have a prefab, and uh, yeah, it's just a wall right here. So I did have to like render this in Blender. Uh, because the standard Unity block puts the center at a weird position. So, yeah, I basically yeah. had this little block. And uh, see if I can bring up the parsing script. Uh, I do want to have it where it, it could be smart enough to notice, like, if a block is next to a block, then make it continuous. contiguous. <laughs> but if it's on the end or at a corner, make it a little bit rounded. So that's something else that can be added. But Yeah. Uh, I know I've done um, colliders like that. Like I actually did it for that um, the endless runner. Like, but you have to generate a bunch of points. There, there's some algorithm for it. I can't remember what it's called. That you, you basically walk the edges and then, you know, like create your points. Yeah, I think they did that like in Braid, where you can like define like the collision around an object or something, but. Uh, yeah, so I guess there's like two different approaches to creating a level like this. Is like you can create the whole level in Blender or whatever your modeling program is at first and use the physics of that mesh as your level. But I'm taking the same approach as you, Dylan. I'm spawning or populating, instantiating a wall for everyone. And I thought there might be some slowdown, but I really haven't noticed it yet. Uh, but here's the parsing code. It basically just reads in the level data, which is a string, and then it goes for every row, then it lays out all the characters. Then I just have one big switch statement. So if it's pound or W, I think W was going to be a warp, so I'll put the warp code in here to instantiate a warp once I add that. Uh, but it just goes through here and... Uh, creates the different objects such as the power pellets, regular pellets, the starting point, and all of the enemies and the bonus. Yeah. I think that's a good way to do it because that way you're you can switch stuff up really really quickly, really easily. And I don't think like unless you're doing some really complicated 3D game, I don't know that that's gonna cause any performance issues. I've yeah. never run into it. Yeah, it's kind of like the Minecraft approach where everything's pretty much a block. Like here, it's like every wall is a block. Um, yeah, so that's what I've <clears throat> been working on. Uh, so I'll hit some of these news, news items really quickly. Uh, the GDC was last month. <clears throat> or no, was it February? Or Mar it, it was a few weeks ago. And a lot of the talks for GDC are online. I went through here and watched some of these. I started like watching a post-mortem for the creator of Marble Madness. And there was one, it's like creating uh, indie games 
for over 11 years without a hit. And I was like, yeah, I can really relate to that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's out there. So you can either find these really, really good videos either on the GDC website. And by the way, I'll post all of the links uh, to everything we talk about today <laughs> on the knoxgamedesign.org website. And also GDC has a uh, YouTube channel. So they post up all, I'm not going to say all, but most of the videos uh, from the conferences uh, on their YouTube channel. On the GDC Vault site, I think some of the videos are paid. Uh, maybe if it has a star or something, but they still have a lot of good stuff out here for free. There's a really good one I watched from uh, one of the guys from Crashlands, Butterscotch. Oh, did they do a GDC I, talk? Uh, just one guy did. Um, and it was the one that has cancer. And his talk was about making the last game he'll make before he dies. Wow. And it was really, really good. It's a good one to watch. Yeah, I'll definitely check that out. Uh, yeah, Crashlands was a game. Back when we used to do the monthly indie game uh, playthrough and discussion, uh, we played uh, Crashlands by Butterscotch Shenanigans, which I think was a three-person uh, development team. Yeah, it's three brothers. Yeah. I really so enjoyed now, I think we all really enjoyed hired, it. They hired a bunch of people. I actually applied... Um, but I only made it to the second round. They had like a third round that got a little bit more in depth with code examples. Mm -hmm. I didn't get get that far. Yeah, I'll definitely check that out. Uh, so one thing that we found, uh, I was just browsing through the Facebook and everything. Run Jump Dev, uh, our fellow game developers in Lexington, Kentucky, are having a game development conference their own conference in richmond kentucky which is i think south of lexington about an hour south so it really isn't too far from knoxville it's like a straight shot up i-75 dylan pointed out this is the same weekend as ludum dare it's like why out of any weekend that you could have picked to have a game development conference you would pick ludum dare weekend but it looks pretty good. I've always meant to make it up to Lexington, Kentucky. It looks like they got some good speakers lined up. I watched a uh, talk recently, I think from Vector from last year, from Lisa Brown, about like the, the nuance of juice, it was called. Oh, okay. About doing other stuff besides screen shake to provide feedback, like using glow and um, indicators at your screen edge and subtle like musical sound effect things you can do that can help engage players without having to be violent yeah. like a, a lot of uh regular platform you know like super meat boy or something like that where everything explodes and blood splatter and everything yeah, yeah. to be so, to build this that good talk. environment up and get that real feeling and everything but yeah I've, I've noticed the camera shakes i mean that that gets kind of old after a while so yeah it's good to know that they're actually posting uh the talks i know some of their monthly meetings or weekly meetings they've posted those online and they have like indie industry speakers coming in 
Uh, looks like they're giving Unity certification exams. I didn't really even know that Unity had cert exams, but if you want to take your certification, Unity certification, they're offering that on Friday. <laughs> and uh, yeah, looks like they got a lot of good sessions. Looks like it runs from 9 to 7 p.m. With lunch in between. 12 years of bad game code. <laughs> that looks like an interesting session. Yeah, so if you're in the Richmond area, Richmond, Kentucky area, or anywhere in the, around. That's all, I was reading up on their thing, too. They, they talk about uh, Ohinki right there, on the, on the, if you scroll down, uh, on, the, on the right-hand side, network, oh, oh, a little <laughs> bit higher. No, there yeah, right. the uh, Ohio, Indiana, Kentucky developer group. Okay. Maybe we should uh, get them to ask, add, add Tennessee to that and see what yeah. we got to do. I guess Network it would be with them. <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> add Tennessee. I guess Tennessee would be last. So it would be Ohinky or something. But yeah, yeah. I know they reached out to me one time, or I think they have forums and they were talking about, hey, it's like, hey, we got game design going in Knoxville. So I kind of talked to him a little bit. But that was like a year or so ago. So I really haven't. Uh, talk to these guys much but yeah they got tickets i don't know oh wow forty dollars for two days yeah that seems like a little bit high for a little bit yeah i don't know i'm sure it's worth the money your unity certified exam is two hundred dollars if it wasn't on ludum dare day i think it could be worth driving up but yeah that's a real bummer (laughs) it's like out of any time they could have picked so, what is it for two days? Late and on-site admission. So, it's $50 for two days, 40 for two days, and one day individual, it's $30. But, yeah, I don't know how valuable a Unity exam is or a Unity certification, but I guess if you're trying to get into the industry, it wouldn't hurt to have that on your resume. Just looking at some of the people they have, it looks like they've got more like AAA. They have a few AAA developers in there, or at least developers for AAA studios. Mm-hmm. More than a, a few. Um, but I imagine that's kind of where Unity certification would make sense. And that's also probably why they're doing it on Let Them Dare Weekend, because these are not necessarily people who um, who would be doing that. Yeah, they're they're kind of yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so it sounds like it's uh yeah pretty good conference. It isn't just like the locals. I mean, they're pulling people that actually have published games, worked in the industry. I haven't read through all the uh, profiles here, but uh, yeah, um, like Dylan, like you're saying, is like yeah, if you're trying to get your fit in the business, I mean, this would be a good place to be to rub elbows with these guys that are actually doing it and everything. Okay, so the next thing that I had was, so Game Jolt has really been, I know I don't think, I think I'm the only one that actually uses Game Jolt <laughs> out of our group. Uh, most of us in the group do Itch.io, but uh, I think Game Jolt is trying to be more like uh, Itch.io. So before they had, uh, where you can upload your games, just like Itch.io, and you can download them, load Linux, Mac, Windows, build. But it was always hard with the URLs that it generated. It generated one really 
long key. So now they've got it where uh, you can go to your uh, account name dot gamejoltio, then your game name, and then that will take you to the game. So, and they also got these customized game sites. So if I click view site, I got it set up for this delivery kid game. So it seems like it's trying to be, like I said earlier, just more like itch.io, a little bit better presentation uh, than the old layout for the site. And you can also upload your own layout for your game on uh, Game Jolt. And I think you can also, where it says here, like cr create uh, your own domain. If you have a custom domain for your game, then you can apply it here. But it looks like it's still a manual process where you have to send them an email to do that. Uh, let me go back. So, I always thought Game Jolt was for like hosted like Flash games where people would play them in the browser. And um, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of the site that's like Newgrounds. Newgrounds is like a uh, solely flash side as well as congregate uh it's only web-based games uh you can upload uh unity html5 uh, webgl builds to congregate but uh i know game jolt and itch.io both support downloadable exe builds so yeah th that was the first one that i started using and i got a lot of traffic uh, like back in 2013 for my games back then. But it, Game Jolt is suffering the same problem as Itch.io. Uh, just so many people out there submitting games of varying levels of quality. So you, you're, when you submit something now, you kind of get lost in the shuffle on there. But uh, yeah, so since I talked about Game Jolt, I added this to the agenda. Itch.io, I felt like I should give Itch.io some love as well. But uh, I've noticed this new tool they have. It's called Butler. And this is supposed to help you upload your build. So say you create uh, three different builds. This is supposed to help automating the process of uploading uh, your builds to Itch.io uh, using a command line interface, which is nice if you don't want to have to go to the website every time to upload your builds i haven't used it yet myself i know before uh it was just a, like a bunch of source files and a github repository written in go so i got on the itch.io forums and was like hey can y'all offer a binary so we don't have to like build go code so i think they went out and actually made uh uh, binaries now so you can uh, get Windows Linux or uh, Mac OS uh, but yeah haven't used it myself but it looks like it's a nice tool that helps automating the process of uh, uploading your games to itch.io uh, I was gonna m mention one of the guys in our group uh, Cupcode Gamers uh, I think his name was Jason Came to a few of our meetings. He's got updates to his website. Looks like he's got forums and new support. Uh, he hasn't joined our online hangout yet, but it'd be nice if he uh, joined us sometime to let us know what's going on with what he's been doing. Looks like a lot of good stuff on his site. And uh, let's see here. Okay, so Joe, I know you already talked about what you've been working on. Uh, 
Yeah. You made a really good post on your website uh, recently uh, about what you've been working on here. Yeah, I talked about Momocon a little bit there too. Yeah, that that little game got scrapped though. Oh, I am. Uh, I was I was trying to do a thing where you would drop a bouncy ball into the pegs, and it like if it landed in a certain area, you could win like a sticker, or I was gonna buy a couple gift cards as a giveaway thing, but it's not uh, it's not working out there. Yeah, I got a different plan in mind. Yeah, I noticed. No, I went to Momocon a couple of years ago when people would have like little things to look at and play with and things like that. So I think those are usually popular. Yeah, I've worked a lot of trade shows, so I'm kind of familiar with what's out there, but I was trying to make something unique because I'm just building it myself in the garage instead of like a, a lot of people just do like a Wheel of Fortune wheel or something else, um, like carnival style games. So, yeah. So we were doing the uh, monthly meeting last month and I. We are just talking about Momocon. I was clicking around. I was like, oh, Joe Miller, he's going to be at Momocon. So I wasn't even aware that you were going to be down there. Uh, but, yeah, just showing off your games and things like that. Yeah, I'll have a, a booth over in the indie gaming section. I wasn't sure if anybody else from Knoxville Group was going to be down there. I think uh, Dylan's going to be there. <laughs> yeah. Which was what we're going to talk about next. So, Dylan, you're doing two talks at Momocon? Yes, I'm doing one and um, <clears throat> that's just on like tabletop gaming. And since they're an anime animation themed convention, I'm doing one specifically about um, like board gaming um, that comes from Japan. And I'm doing my game development for fun and not profit talk, which is um more about just like hot, like what we do, hobbyist game development and um, some of the resources that you can use uh, to get into that, and kind of kind of an intro level talk. Um, one of the things I like to do in that is is actually bring up like copies of you know a project in Unity, a project in Game Maker, and RPG Maker, and some of these other programs, so that people who maybe don't have a lot of experience can kind of see that and get that first shock out of the way of like, Oh man, this looks confusing. But if, if someone can show you kind of a brief overview, you can kind of tell what you need to focus on. Um, yeah, sounds cool. Uh, yeah. So I remember going there a couple of years ago, they had a lot of good game <laughs> development talks. I, I attended one about translating games like from Japanese and things like that. But yeah, if you're in the Atlanta area, uh, Dylan has a post on his website, dylanwolf.com, uh, about the talks that he's doing. So Momocon, it will be May 25th through the 28th. I'm assuming that's still at the World Congress Center, like the Omni area around there. Yes. Yeah, that's same place this year. I think they've kind of moved move there for for the foreseeable future okay so, yeah i'll definitely to, uh, try to make it down for that you know what martyr stop i gotta get up for that i have no idea <laughs> i usually drive down there stay at the con hotel and then just you know leave from there uh i'm driving down but i'm gonna leave my car somewhere else and just hoof it okay yeah because there is like a you got to pay for parking in a lot of cases. Uh, 
Yeah, I it. got my mom lives like twenty miles east of Atlanta, so I might leave my car there. Or oh, yeah, that's... some other friends that live nearby, or I actually got one buddy that lives in Atlanta, so uh, I'll be riding uh, riding the couch at somebody's house and just uh, using Marta to get to and from. Okay. I'm uh, usually okay in Atlanta, though. I grew up near and enough. Yeah, I'll just I'd... have to... I grew up on the west side of Atlanta and usually tried not to go inside the city if I didn't have to. But yeah, that's one problem (laughs) (laughs) with Atlanta is the transit system. They do have MARTA, but I guess there's a station close to the World Congress Center. I think it'd have to be for the Falcons games. Somebody. It's been a few years since I've used MARTA, so I don't don't remember it too much, but I'll be all right. And that is one thing, like, you know, going downtown, um, Momocon has definitely gotten to the size where they kind of have to be, you know, in the World Congress Center. Um, I don't know that they're quite as big as Dragon Con yet, but they are, you know, getting kind of to that point. So um, it's probably the number two, like, anime otaku type conference that i'm aware of like dragon con is just like consumes (laughs) atlanta it's like everywhere yeah but dragon con really doesn't have a lot of game development stuff at all i mean there might be some game devs or cosplayers from games but uh they don't really have any game development talks yeah as i remember that's kind of a whole like they've got a a dragon con has a really wide kind of set of, of content tracks, but I don't remember there being a lot of game development. I remember they had, they do like the last time I went, which is a few years ago, they had, they actually did have some like board game designers, RPG designers. Um, Momocon has few, like not as many tracks and it seemed, they seem to be like deliberately adding, like they added comics um, they're kind of going after esports. They went after you know some of the game development stuff a couple of years ago. Like so, yeah. You know, they're not just an anime con, but um, they have been. You know, they're not quite as broad as Dragon Con either. Yeah, I'll definitely try to make it down if I can that weekend. Uh, I'm not sure if I'll be able to make it all three days, but uh, yeah. Yeah, so if uh, anyone out there is in the Atlanta area, May 25th, 28th, check out Dragon Con. So, Dylan, you're also doing, it looks like the same two, no, you're doing two different talks at MTAC. I haven't heard of that one. It's in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah, MTAC, MTAC actually is a Middle Tennessee anime convention. Okay. Um, it's it's still a pretty good size con. Um, not as big as MomoCon. Um, so, yeah, the ones I submit there are... Japanese culture or the, the stuff related to, to that sort of thing. Like RPG, ma- I'm doing the RPG maker um, course or uh, not course. Yeah. Crash course uh, panel, um, which is kind of the same thing that was on my, my blog. And then I'm doing, well, I am doing the same um, tabletop gaming panel as at Momocon. I just, for whatever reason, submitted something different. <laughs> Uh, yeah. They're a different title. So that's this weekend, this coming weekend. Yes. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Yeah. They have been they've been doing it on Easter weekend the past couple 
now past several years actually and i think a lot of it is just scheduling it's it's easier to find a place to do it yeah so yeah i'm definitely going to check this out i'm definitely into uh learning uh about japanese culture learning japanese language and things like that. i'm really a, a big fan of yaku and pb and japanese baseball <laughs> so yeah i'll definitely yeah i mean if i can make they're that. prime they're primarily like anime and um, um, anime and manga and that sort of thing, but they do take panels about things like eh, actually they, they take a pretty broad a, array of panels. Um, but I tend to like keeping panels I submit there in that narrow focus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, so yeah, anyone in the Nashville area, check out MTAC this weekend um so joe i'm assuming you're going to be doing gm 48 uh which is also this weekend <laughs> very busy time of year uh yep i just uh put in my votes for the theme so they got the theme voting going on now uh, and then there's going to be a round two i guess uh, during the week maybe or the, i think we might have been done with the theme voting and now we're just waiting to find out what it is yeah. Which there are some interesting stuff in there, like uh, I think Invincibility was one of them. Oh, our, our handicap hero, mm-hmm. or the hero would have some kind of handicap. I remember there was an accessibility jam like a few years ago, where it's like, oh, but that's I think that's more for people with disabilities, not the character within the game, but uh. Yeah, I've always wanted to do GM48. I know, Joe, you've done it like two or three times now? Uh, I only c- completed a game once oh. that I actually made a submission, yeah. Um, I've, I tried on the last one. I didn't come up with anything, and it just kind of real life got in the way. Yeah. I know you were showing at one of our meetings like the statistics and everything that's generated. It's like a lot of nice graphs, a lot better than what ludum dare has but uh yeah yeah. they do the follow-up like that you're required to rate 10 other people's games or you get disqualified yeah for your game so that kind of it helps make sure that people get a good amount of feedback put into the system so it has data to present well you don't just get like one rating that's 10 stars and say your game's 10 stars you get you know, at least five or six, so you can kind of see what people see trends and notice stuff. Yeah, I think that's the right way to do it because with Ludum Dari, it's like I think you have to have like 17 ratings or 20 or something like that, but you aren't required to rate anyone's game at all. It's just rating other people's games helps you get votes, but this is like you have to rate 10 games. Right. I, I don't know. I, I have different opinions on the peer rating system. It's like, yeah, if you have ten buddies, you can just go out and give them all five stars. But, uh, but yeah, it's not all. It's all about making a game. I'm assuming this is just like Ludum Dare. The prize is your game. There's no prizes for this, right? Uh, I think sometimes there's prizes donated from other members of the community. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, this time they're giving away a Steam key for Game Maker desktop license. Oh. Uh, which is worth 100 bucks if you haven't already bought it. Yeah. 
for Game Maker Studio 2. Yeah. Which, uh, I mean, sometimes other people that had gone on to, like, turn their GM48 game and had it released on Steam, mm-hmm. they came back and donated, like, 10 keys for the top 10 games or whoever uh, for that game. Yeah. Yeah, that's very cool. You have developed the cut. So I'm assuming that the only requirement for this game jam, only requirements is like, well, it has to be based on the theme, uh, but you have to develop it in uh, Game Maker. Yeah, Game Maker. But it can be Game Maker 8 or Studio 1 or Studio 2, whichever version of Game Maker you're using. So now, it's... Uh, are you are you judged in different categories like Ludumdari, or do you just get one overall rating? Uh that's that's for all the different stuff. There's like the sound and art and gameplay and theme, or like stick, whatever sticking to the theme. So I think there's five or six categories. Oh, okay. So it is sort of like Ludumdari that way. So it looks like you just got to log in or cre- create an account. I, I'm assuming you can use your Yo-Yo Games account, for, or is this separate from? This is separate. Uh, oh. This is run by one of the, the guy that moderates the Reddit, the subreddit, the Game Maker subreddit. Yeah, I was about to say. So it's, it's not actually a Reddit thing. Yeah, it's not connected to yo-yo games at all but they do support it mm-hmm. yeah so yeah i'll try to do something for this like i said it's a busy time of year right now uh, so that's coming up this weekend <laughs> um yeah so i found some april fool's jokes on april 1st which was uh, a week and a half ago so there was a game jolt red light. So I saw this in my inbox and it's like, we're now accepting triple A's on game jolt and <laughs> pretty fu- funny stuff on here. They had something indie AF. I haven't read into it or anything, but uh, yeah, that time of year for the April fool's jokes. Um, so Joe, uh, did you want to give us a report from PAX East or- uh, sure. I, I did uh, get some pictures I can share. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I saw some of them that you posted to Twitter, I think, or Facebook or somewhere. Yeah, I shared a few um, around. I, I probably took like 200 pictures, so I kind of just grabbed a couple here. Yeah, see the one of the booth here? Yeah, so I was at PAX. Uh, I was working for Rocket here. Um, I was running one of their demo stations. So actually, during the convention at the like expo hall hours, I was working their booth, um, but I was trying to be there for my own games on the side, and I went to a couple other after-hours industry event things mm-hmm. just as. But this was the booth I was working at, which it was nice. They have good stuff, so it was cool to work with uh, somebody that had a good product. I've worked with other booths that like all you get are people walking up and complaining about broken stuff. <laughs> they don't really understand. Like I'm not an employee of that company. I'm just a booth representative. Yeah. Um, and now, I mean, I, I answered a post on Reddit from their community manager and I just, they were looking for somebody that had experience working trade shows and I've done a bunch. So 
So you've never uh, like worked with this rocket company before? It was like, hey, we just need somebody nope. to help run our booth that knows what they're doing. And yep, he uh, sent me over some of their product information. I pretty much just memorized it, um, and then like while I was running this demo, I was just kind of people would come by and play the demo, and then I once they got up and left, I'd reset the demo back to the beginning, uh, and then I'd be able to answer basic questions as far as how much did stuff cost or what was going like what if there's a show special but some people would get real technical and then i'd send them over to one of the actual rocket employees to get send more them specifics. to the devs <laughs> yeah but that way i mean the the company is a really small company i think they only have a couple u.s employees mm-hmm. they're based out of germany i want to say so are they a game development company or game? No, business? they're a hardware. Oh. Yeah. Mice, keyboards, um, headsets. But instead of like flying employees from Germany over, they just like paid people like me there. There was a few of us. Yeah. It's probably more cost effective to do that. Yep. And it was, it was good. It was fun. And then, I mean, I got to be there. So part of the, the benefit of being there as an, representative of another company is you get to go in the show um before and stay after hours Mm -hmm. so like when i'm walking around in here this is kind of coming down the escalators into the main expo hall Mm -hmm. but it's like empty because there's they haven't let the public in yet Oh, okay so this was in boston What, what was the name of the uh facility uh it's the bcec it's like boston convention exposition center something like that oh okay um it's on the waterfront um yeah i think pax east has been in this location for the at least the last five or six years uh and it's actually the same place that anime boston is held which usually happens pretty close together with pax oh okay yeah it looks like we're looking at square enix right here i can see the final fantasy 15 and Kingdom Hearts and uh, all these huge banners and everything. So I yep, guess there were stations where you can play the games. Yep, that's pretty much uh, what they had going on. It's a lot of Final Fantasy, uh, and then Dragon Quest Heroes Two was another big one they were showing. Oh, I love Dragon Quest Heroes. That's my game. <laughs> it's uh, Microsoft there, right in the middle. Yeah, see the casual crash crashers. And Behemoth, yeah. Microsoft was showing off a couple things. They had Halo Wars. They were they were had demo stations set up for Mass Effect Andromeda. Yeah, we talked a little bit about the new indie program that Microsoft was rolling out and it's like, oh, well, they weren't fully rolling it out yet. They were just like, oh, we're opening it up for a few developers. Like, how's this any better than Idea at Xbox? I guess once they fully open it up, it's supposed to be like uh, Xbox Live any games. But right now I'm just kind of over Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> so here's a shot uh, actually during the show. So that's what this place looks like when the people are in it. Oh, cool. It's super crowded. There's so many people. Like shoulder to shoulder in there. Yeah, it was nice to see the mega booth here, the indie scene, getting a lot of people, a lot of traffic. Everybody was coming by to see, uh, which the indie mega booth is a separate company. 
that buys out like a giant section and then they sub the space out to the smaller indie people. So if you want to get in the indie mega booth, they have their own submission process where you'll pay 50 or 70 bucks or whatever it is and you submit a game to the mega booth. And then if you get chosen in that, they help get you a spot inside of the indie mega booth. And then they include stuff on all of their uh, promotional material, stuff like that. And then it's uh, if you got a good game and not a lot of money, it can be a much better path into a show like PAX than just paying for a booth because booths uh, are expensive. Oh, I can imagine. I remember like you were showing us like just one booth is can be $2,000 or more. And that's just for like a small little spot. Yeah, that's cool. Indie mega booth. I'll have to check that out. I mean, so does Indie mega booth, do they only do PAX East or they do these for each little tech conference? They do them them for GDC and PAX West as well. I'm not sure which other ones. They do a couple big shows. Even if you get in Indie mega booth, though, they don't pay your way. So you still got to be able to provide like a plane ticket and transportation uh or and hotel and everything like feed yourself so you're still gonna have to have some money yeah uh to to utilize it but they They, can get you more bang for your buck on the uh the booth space there yeah they just pay for your or help you out with the booth and do they help out with admission or yeah i think so and then they also do like a mini booth thing where you can actually share space uh where you'll have other games like that's probably one right there in the middle where there's like four right there in one Mm -hmm. um table area yes which is yeah that can if you're only like one person going so you're not trying to uh run a whole setup by yourself excellent Uh, Let's see. And that's that's the layout of the mega booth. It's all the games that were there, companies. So look, looks like they're about thirty or so there. Yeah, I didn't see anybody um, that stood out to me as like somebody we've talked about before. Yeah, I was trying to figure out: are these the names of the games, or are these the names of the developer studios? Oh, uh, it's a mix. I mean, it it depended on the the company whatever they wanted to call themselves by their company or by their game Mm -hmm. so some of these are um both i think there's quite a few uh i talked to a couple different people that their game had started as a ludum dare game too oh when i was walking around in there uh but i expect you to die is one of the (laughs) piece That seems like a, a common Ludum Dory suggested theme. <laughs> yeah, there's another shot of... Uh, I guess that's the Sony booth over there in the back. And that's just a all lot the, of people. That's just all the people. Yeah, I, I really didn't like maneuvering around in there. I don't mind working the conventions, but it's hard for me to go to one as a attendee. I don't deal with the people very well. It's got to be so hot in there. Uh, it helped that it was like minus 10 degrees outside and snowing and like super blizzard happening. So I think they just cracked open some vents up there and it just, uh, helped keep it cool. It was really cold. It was, it was like painful cold. Yeah. It was Toe Jam and Earl. Toe Jam and Earl. (laughs) (laughs) 
thought that was funny when I saw them. I, I thought this was interesting when I went by the Oculus booth that there was nobody there. Wow. And I was wondering, maybe it's just kind of lost its draw on the convention side. Like, most people have at least tried it now if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. So there's not really a big drive to, like, go see what it's all about. I still haven't jumped on the uh, VR bandwagon yet. I mean, from I haven't, heard, but one of my buddies here has one, so I've I've gotten to try it. He bought a, one of the Dev Kit Twos, DK Two, um, for Elite Dangerous. Yeah. So I mean, I, I've experienced the Oculus just to try, see how it works, like with the roller coaster demo and just being able to look around in it. So there's nothing really been on the VR side that's made me want to run over and stand in line to try a demo of it, though. Yeah. I kind of heard it's like a rich kid's toy. I mean, until they bring the price down, price point for the headsets down. And I wish they would just like standardize on one technology. I guess with Unity, you could make a VR game for uh, any headset and deploy. But uh, yeah, I was going to give a shout out to Daniel Buchanan here in Knoxville, he runs a VR group called Vardnet, V-A-R-D-N-E-T. And he stopped by one of our meetings one time and brought in, I can't remember if it was the Oculus or one of the other systems, but he let us try it out and play some of the games. So there is a VR, small VR scene here in Knoxville. I'm not exactly sure how often they meet, though. And then Nintendo had their little Mario thing going on they were showing off the switch they had lots of demo stations for the switch uh which of course i mean it just come out yeah i still haven't gotten a switch yet uh got the new zelda game for the wii u it's like uh they they have you can go to target and they have like plenty of zelda for the switch games but they don't have any consoles i was like until they resolve that supply issue i'm just gonna wait and See what everybody else says about it. Because from what I understand, is like I was thinking about getting the new uh, Dragon Quest Heroes game, but they said the Switch game was highly inferior to the PlayStation 4 version. So I'm like, okay, I'll just get it for PlayStation 4. But what the Nintendo people were saying is, like, well, the Switch is really a portable system. It's like they can't decide if they want to be portable or a console. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes with the Switch. Uh, Twitch, more shows. And then that was me at one of the... uh, I went to an event the night before PAX and had space set up where I was able to set up my little demo station uh, and show off. Giveaways. Really nice setup you have there. (laughs) Uh, Flyers. I think you have buttons. I actually did a (laughs) post about Indie Game Booth. I don't know, a year or two ago. But. I ended up uh, doing away. I had the iPod there, too. Um, that's too small to demo. Like I, I was worried that somebody was going to walk away with it, so I stuck with the uh, the tablets. are much easier to keep track of when when I actually had like multiple people there trying to play games. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, was, uh, it was good. Yeah. yeah, that's the bad thing. It's like you can't jump up and go to the bathroom or anything with... <laughs> Your no, that was unless you that clamp was definitely, them down to table. Definitely a problem. Um Yeah, that's something I'm I, I'm looking into for Momocon since I did um 
get the booth space by myself. Uh, I know I'm, I'm going to try to find somebody or two somebodies to come. They give you four badges, I think. Mm -hmm. So might get somebody that could come over a couple times a day and let me run to the bathroom or eat lunch or something because it's, it's a lot of standing and talking uh, without yeah. being able to take a break. Yeah, I'll probably try to come down for, there for a little bit. So if we run into each other and you need to run to the bathroom or something, <laughs> I'd definitely be willing to watch over your stuff for a little while. So, yeah, that's um, awesome, Joe. It sounds like a great time at PAX East. Um, so, yeah, so Ludum Dare 38 is coming up, uh, I think, two weeks. Yeah, about two weeks from now. The theme voting has already started. Uh, so, again, they're planning on doing this at ldjam.com. It looks like uh, they've actually made a little bit of progress on the site. I think you'll have to create a new account, and they said later then they'll merge your old account into your new account or something like that. But that yeah. sounds scary. <laughs> yeah. So this is the 15th anniversary of Ludum Dare. And uh, yeah, so as usual, I guess there'll be multiple rounds of theme voting. Then at the very end, they'll pick one theme out of all that and got the two different competitions to compo where you do everything yourself in 48 hours and then the jam where you can use pre-existing assets and work in teams and you have 72 hours i think they were working on a new interface for defining teams on the new website so i really haven't got in here to look at all the new so updates yet. if we made an account last ludumdar was it, would we still have to make another one? Uh, no. It, like, uh, I know I logged in the other day, and, and mine's still active. Like, the one I created on the new site. So, oh, yeah, there it goes. Okay. That should be... Just if you hadn't... Okay. Still separate from the ludumdare.com. Yes. Uh, two separate accounts. Okay. LD Jam. Supposedly, it's sometimes... I think it's going to... You think it's going to work this time, or are we going to switch back to the old website in the last two hours? <laughs> I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. It sounds like he's had enough time to get every all the kinks worked out and everything, and hopefully he's not trying to work on it as the competition's going on. But, uh, yeah. yeah, we'll have to talk to, uh, probably offline, see if we want to do a get-together or whatever. Uh, for the kickoff or just do a kickoff online or something i'm thinking uh, we can just show off our games at the next online hangout in may if that works out for everyone yeah that sounds good okay so uh i didn't have anything else i wanted to show off or anything dylan did you have anything uh else you wanted to share nah that was it okay Joe, any other news? Any uh, anything else happening? Uh, I did get when I was at PAX. I got handed some info about uh, another convention called Otacon. Otacon. I know, heard of uh, yeah, I was going to ask Dylan if he had heard of that one. That I want to say yeah. that's up in Baltimore or the DC area. That's apparently yeah. They said it was really Baltimore big. last year, but they're going to be in DC this year. Okay. I know people who have gone. I've 
run into people who staff there, but I don't know anything about it really. I, from what I know, it's definitely more like anime focused. So that's where I would probably, um, or I'd probably take that into account if you're wanting to demo there, like, you know, look at how you do at MomoCon or whatever. Um, yeah, that's versus going to be looking around $300 for a booth, which is not too bad. I mean, MomoCon is 450 so be interested to see how that goes. Which, uh, yeah. I think it's it's later in the year, though, towards the end of summer. I haven't heard of that one. You know, I'll have to look in to see what other gatherings there are. And I know uh, Codestock is coming up. Uh, I don't know if there's any game dev talks at Codestock here in Knoxville this year. Um, Not that I remember. There may be a few, but I, I don't know that there's been as many as in years past. Yeah, I think uh, Chris Gardner from Huntsville, Alabama. <laughs> I think he had a talk. I'm not sure if it's game dev. Usually he does, does a game dev talk or one or two of those. And I know we did the panel last year with like five of us in the Knoxville game design that that video is online on YouTube. If anyone wants to check out the game Knoxville game design panel from last year. Uh, but yeah, a lot of good stuff going on. So anyway, it sounds like that's a wrap. Uh, plan on showing our games off uh, next month, second Sunday in May. And good luck to everyone on Ludum Dare 38. Look forward to playing everyone's games. So, until next time, thanks everyone for watching.